NovSB in Lisbon, I am Philippe Alfayat, and this is the Sustainability and Impact Global Series. From climate change to poverty, hunger, racism, or gender inequality, business are increasingly called to step up and be part of the solution. But kind words and one-off projects alone will not cut it. In this series of eight episodes, we'll do a deep dive into Africa, checking how some enterprises are serving the consumers at the bottom of the pyramid. The tools they use, the challenges they face, how they adapt their pricing, marketing, distribution to commercial reach a growing market of more than 2.5 billion people globally. I'm passionate about unleashing the power of business to solve global challenges. It has been the focus of my work across more than 35 countries in the past decades, either as an adjunct professor, entrepreneur, a consultant, or a policy advisor. And it is with the fuel from that exact passion that we put together this series, which is a collaborative effort with my talented students and great teaching team. You see, In the past two school years, a mix of students from all over the world that attended my course on leading impact enterprises in international development produced podcasts where they applied the course's learning to real enterprises. They did outstanding work, and the best six podcasts will be at the center of this series and its debates. In this episode, we'll have a guest with us. Instead of a podcast prepared by the students, we'll have a guest with us. We'll be sharing his experience in terms of innovation and development in Africa. João Barreto is the head of innovation at Nestle East and Southern African region and is uh, leading the development of Nestle Hatcher. We'll be asking him more about it. But it's an open innovation program that looks at finding the best and local entrepreneur solution to Nestle business challenges in the region. Welcome, João. It's great to have you here. Thank you for accepting the invitation. Thank you so much, Flip, for having me here. It's great. I mean, this is this is such an exciting program that you are developing and running, and um, we love to know a little bit more about uh, how we come together and what is it actually doing. But uh, maybe start by your own uh, path, which is uh, very, very enlightening, I think, for many of the students and people that are looking into innovation and these type of regions and these type of markets. How you come about to this uh, exciting position of head of innovation and that East and Southern African region. Sure. Look, I've um, I've moved to Africa 10 years ago. Uh, I decided at the time with my, at the time, girlfriend that we wanted to explore the world. So we moved to Angola. And that's where my journey with uh, Nestle started seven years ago. And I started there in marketing, managing some, some of our big brands like uh, Maggie, uh, which is very big here. Then I moved to Kenya a couple of years later, where I started my path into innovation. And it was by chance. Uh, it was a need at the time for the, the, the company because uh, we were going through a big transformation in the company and there was the need to have someone 
that would lead the change internally and implement those big differences and changes in the innovation um, structure. So I lifted my hand. I said, like, let's move. Let's go into this. So it was totally by chance. And then I started investing my time into looking at the portfolio, supporting the business units and really starting to involve myself more into the innovation path. After Kenya, there was an opportunity to move to South Africa and to look out for this big region, uh, which is the East and Southern Africa. So just to have, for you to have an idea, the, the region has 23 countries starting oh. in Ethiopia, Somalia, Ethiopia, then down the coast where you go through the Kenya, Rwanda, Zimbabwe, to the southern part where you land, land in South Africa, but also Namibia, Botswana, Zambia. So a very big, big region, including as well the, the islands, which yeah, is the beautiful huge. part of, mm. <laughs> a very beautiful part of the, of the continent as well. So... I landed in South Africa and um, our CEO um, that was new at the time wanted to be uh, to make a big change in our culture of innovation um, in the in the region. So he asked me to lead the whole innovation um, strategy in the region. And that's where I really deep dive into um, the innovation uh, space um, in Nestle. And uh, yeah, and then we changed. We did a lot of changes in the mindset, in the culture. We broke silos. We we started looking internally and externally as well, where we ended up landing with the Nestle Atcher program as well. So tell me more about this Nestle Atcher program. I mean, this podcast is uh, is about, uh, and the cost behind the podcast is about impact enterprises, international development. So I'm very curious to, to hear from you how you are developing this local cluster, if you can call it, and how you went, this, why did you decide to go local? I mean, there's things, you, obviously, you could high outside Africa? Why was so important for you from a business perspective? Because you're trying to ally here a uh, business impact um, in terms of environment, in terms of, of, of uh, social impact, but in a way that is business driven. So trying to, to mix performance and progress, if you will. So this program seems that you are doing exactly that. So I'm so happy and excited to have you here explaining how you and why it was, what is the business reason behind Nestle Hatcher? Sure. Look, we are a very big company, right? We mm -hmm. are in 180 Huge. countries. We have 23 R&D centers. Uh, so we have a lot of development happening. Now, the decision of going local is that some of the innovation that we require in, in our region requires the understanding of the region. So there are some challenges that we have um, in the region, like, for example, access to the last mile, which is a big, mm -hmm. big uh, theme that in some cases, more developed countries do not understand, like having no address. Having no address is something that is very local. It's very something that is a challenge, Absolutely. very local challenge, right? Absolutely. So when we decided to go local with the Nestle Etcher was because we understood that the local ecosystem and the local startups were actually looking at the issues that exist in the region, in the African continent, right? And we as a big company were facing some challenges that we believed that those startups could help us out in solving, right? So that was one part of it. We wanted to leverage on the knowledge, on the local knowledge, making sure that we um, find the best solutions there. But at the same time, we wanted to support the development of the ecosystem itself. We believe that big companies like Nestle have um, have um, a responsibility to support the local uh, ecosystems and the local communities. And in this startup uh, ecosystem, obviously there is uh, the need of support from big companies, either to become their sponsors or their investors or to become their clients. So with Nestle Etcher, we thought, okay, we can get 
the solutions out of these startups, but at the same time, we can feed and support the growth and development of those ecosystems by empowering them, giving them knowledge, giving them access to our technologies and being a paying customer. And this is how we see it. We see ourselves as a company that is showing the path to other companies that are, are local as well and, and are not investing in this. And to kind of be thought leaders on, we should be looking at the startups as our partners and collaborate with them to win together. So it's a win-win uh, situation. And therefore, we want to support, we want to be there, and we want to give them as well the tools and the technology and the money that they need to grow. And I think that as the ecosystem grows, more startups will blossom, more technologies will come, and we all win with that. So this is our ethos, if you can say like exactly. that. Exactly. No, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's, a it's a great point. You're starting by the point of view that um, in true big organization, multinational, corporations, but that could be said as well for many international development enterprises or organizations have one fit all approaches many times. And uh, as these all these countries mature and become markets that have their own driven uh, behaviors, that they have their own um, demands, their own tastes, it's not just a question of whatever is sold in Europe and US being sold in, in Africa, but actually trying to develop something that is more tailored for that specific yeah. market. And one point that you mentioned is has to do with the bottom of the pyramid and access to the last mile, meaning that you have millions of people that uh, don't have a purchasing power to buy, for instance, a shampoo of one liter, but they will be able to buy uh, 100 milligrams uh, every three or four days. Yes. So you have to adjust. And I can only imagine how, how much effort a went lot, into, into changing the, that mindset, right? No, look, for us, we, we look at the portfolio from the perspective of what do our consumers need? And you were mentioning the bottom of the pyramid, which is a huge amount of people in our region. And, and the reality is they usually live on a out-of-pocket daily wage. And that is another concept that usually you don't understand in developed countries. What is that daily wage thing, right? So obviously, we also look at our portfolio, product portfolio, in a way that we can deliver those single-serve uh, products as well. So there is a big change and a big shift. The quality of the products is the same. And we obviously have very high quality products, but then we pack them in a way that is affordable for anyone that is in that situation of a daily wage to purchase that on a day. So exactly. if they have the money to purchase one serve to give their children, we're happy to provide that quality of product and that product so they can serve it to their children. So and, that's for us. Yeah, important. because that's a big change in terms of mindset because in the past and in many companies still, there's this, this idea that uh, people that uh, have low income in this type of region so we're talking about low income to middle income countries. They really want something that is cheap. Sometimes, most of the times, I would say, there's many studies backing this, that it's not about being cheap. It's about value in the sense it has to be affordable because they only have cycles of two or three days in terms of cash flow. So liquidity is a problem. So they can't put too much money in a one liter of shampoo. They mm -hmm. need the money to buy other things every day. But also the fact that they're looking for something that has quality. So it's, it's a question of of values, not many times think, oh, they just want something that is really cheap. No, you just have to make sometimes, I'll call it expensive, but they're not expensive, but you know, uh, pricey items like we're talking about shampoos and make them easier 
to be purchased more yeah. affordable. So that's uh, that is something that's something that uh, it's, it's it's crucial and but it's still a challenge for many people to understand this. But one of the things that this program that, that you're developing, this Nestle Hatcher, is that you are on one hand also developing an ecosystem through business leads, and yes. I, I like that. So it's we're moving from your involvement with the region from philanthropy, let's call it, or corporate social responsibility, and, and there are many cluster development projects like that that's put together. Okay, we have this budget, and we're going to support local ecosystem in terms of entrepreneurship awards, that type of thing. I mean, there's a value to it. Mm-hmm. But in this case, you are developing based on business leads that are yes. generated in the region, and I find they are really driven by a market need uh, and a business demand. Can, can you elaborate a little sure. bit on that? So one of the principles of the Etcher is we don't launch any challenge. So it's open innovation, right? So it's an open innovation challenge, but we don't launch any challenge that is not linked to a business need and that is sponsored by our business lead as okay. well. So our head of business needs to sponsor the program. So when we have that challenge, we launch the challenge to the ecosystem. We get the submissions like any other open innovation challenge, but then we always link the submissions and and, and the, the screening with the business as well to make sure that there is a fit between the solution and the business. At the end of the program, we do pilots with one of the solutions. Um, we pay for the pilot. We, we It's not like a, you have to give us the pilot. No, we pay for it. We are a paying customer. And we developed most, some of the times, the solutions to fit our need. And then at the end of the cycle, we want to incorporate that solution into our value chain. So that's the ultimate goal, either by becoming their customers as one opportunity, either by helping them to scale up, because sometimes the solutions that come from startups are not ready to su- to, to supply a big corporate like Nestle, right? So it's important exactly. to scale them up and, and make them ready. So we also support that if we feel, okay, we're not there yet, but we see an opportunity to get there. So we then continue to invest. And there's also the opportunity of going M&A, which is very rare in our situation. We are not a VC. We don't invest for, for equity to sell and have an exit strategy. We invest if we see a competitive advantage in that specific solution that can help us out for a long period of time. So those are the three outcomes that we are looking for in the Nestle Etcher. So we always want to continue. We always want to, after the program, keep that startup with it, with us and keep feeding them as um, part of our value chain. It's a bit different from some of the other challenges that sometimes you see where we give away money and that's, exactly. that's like it. That's not, the, that's not the point. We really want to bring them in. And that's what we believe creates that sustainability across supporting the the ecosystem and the startups to grow and blossom and become more and better uh, as we go. In such a huge region, I mean, I was wondering, what are the challenges that you face? I'm talking about very, very different markets in many, many ways. You're talking about also a a local ecosystem in terms of entrepreneurship um, that is also being developed as you speak, right? So there's a lack of maturity as well for some projects that your leads might need, your business needs might be of a certain kind that they not be able yet to respond. How are you managing these challenges? We are, so one one important point is that we partner with a startup. So okay. we have a startup that is working with us. It's called Quiz Studios and they are a very young st- startup uh, in South Africa and they help us out in, in doing that screening. The reality is sometimes we do 
take some very early stage startups with us, we do not cut anyone. Sometimes we believe in, in some ideas and we're willing to invest. But obviously we kind of try to understand the maturity and the levels of maturity. You find everything. You find uh, people that have one idea and then you have startups that are already like a series A, for example. Okay. So all of that can come in and can submit their ideas. We, and we don't cut anyone. It's We try to understand because it's important for us because we know that an earlier stage startup will require a lot more support from us and a lot more involvement and a, more mature a little bit less. But that is not kind of a cutoff thing. So we do have um, everything. We have the support of Quiz Studios to help us screen. And then the, the big challenges sometimes is, for me, it's a, a very big one, is the, um, the languages that startups and corporates speak. It's completely different. So startups and corporate have a very big difficulty in understanding each other. So you need kind of to translate the, the communication between the two because the challenges that a startup has are completely different from the challenges that the, the corporate has. So, and I'll give you an example. Let's talk cash flow, right? Cash flow is a huge problem for startups. They run, they have their runway, right? Which mm -hmm. is the money that they, they have until they go bankrupt. Corporate, usually do not live on a cash flow issue, at least big ones. And they have payment terms, which are usually long, right? 60 days. And usually the corporate does not understand that they cannot have a 60-day payment term to a startup because you might kill them in 60 days. It's that bad. It's that, that short, the runway, right? So one of the biggest challenges is this communication and understanding between the two entities to make sure that the collaboration works. And it's a very interesting one. I can tell you that. And it's not only corporate that don't understand startups. It's the other way around as well. And being in the middle and trying to make them understand each other, it's one of the most interesting things I, I can tell you. But also rewarding because I think both ways can learn with each other and really collaborate more and, and make awesome things together. So one of the things that we discuss in class is, is also the need for measurement. So I'll be, I will be asking students to be critical. So I have to, to also <laughs> ask for pointy questions. My, my question here is, is to one we already discussed when we were preparing this, this podcast was how sustainable is the ecosystem when you're not hand-holding the, the, the startups and uh, how you are working to avoid that. I know it's a big concern of yours and I, I think that would be interesting to share. And the other is you're having a lot of, you talked about responsibility, you talked about the impact that this has in the economy. Are you measuring it? Can you, can, is, is there a way to, to measure it? Uh, if not, you think it would have an impact if you measure actually what is the economic or the social impact of the, the work that you are doing in terms of cluster development? Or you think for a business as, as Nestle, this is not something that you are concerned a little bit more to that when you're doing corporate social responsibility initiatives? So let's start on the... Exactly, two very different two, two, questions. On the first one. So we are one corporate, right? Although we are big, we do have our limited impact. We do believe that we are having some impact in creating interest in the ecosystem, which is the way we see it. And I think it's it's very important because, look, let's be honest, when we talk about a company like Nestle that is the biggest uh, food and beverage company in the world, right? And other companies see Nestle investing in startups. That creates interest, right? That creates, like, why are they doing that? And this is the first way that we see that we are creating impact. And we believe we are creating impact in that. How do we measure it? Tricky, very tricky. Because 
the ecosystem itself is very dynamic. Depending on the, the, the economic situation, it might flourish or it might die. And it's not because you have one corporate or two corporates invested in it that creates that curve, that exactly, raising exactly, curve, exactly, exactly. right? Because it's so it's so sensitive that, for example, the, the current situation on, on supply chain and, and, and not being able to get product from anywhere and the costs of, of shipments, for example, might kill a company, although you are invested in it. So our impact here is showing the way, in a way. We believe we are showing the way. We do have impact on a small scale at this stage, especially those that we are mentoring and we are involved in. And we want to keep them there and we want to follow how many them. Are, how many are in your portfolio right now? <clears throat> Look, we worked with three, mm -hmm. like closely, we worked with three. Which other projects can you tell us about the projects? Or? Well, I can tell you, uh, well, one, one of them I can tell you on a very high level, we are creating a coffee community um, that rates uh, coffee, which is very important for us to understand how people uh, look at coffee. And we are creating um, in partnership with that startup. It's not ours. So the community is not ours, it's theirs. But we are helping them out create uh, that community. And it's, uh, it's a very cool project. The other two, I cannot tell you. <laughs> <laughs> the other two, I cannot say. So, but one thing that I'm talking about impact, obviously, is moving away from the, the success or the failure of the startups because that's as you said depends on many different factors but so I was thinking more about impact in terms of how you are developing a cluster because this is a cluster mm. so this is an ecosystem yeah. so that's why I was thinking at some point if you consider looking into ways of measuring the development of the ecosystem or your participation or input into that development no. uh, which is not about failure but has to do with visibility has to do with uh, what we're doing here today right uh, sharing the, the work that you're doing, etc. No, look, for, for, for us, the, the, the situation of, of, and obviously, again, we're looking at a couple of startups, right? But if we see that those startups are growing and impacting others, you know, and, and employing people around them, That's already a big, a big thing. That's already a big one. Again, it's very difficult to measure it, you know, but although it's difficult to measure it, we are tracking that and we are keeping a relationship with, with those startups. And I can give you a, a, an example of what we do, even if we don't go ahead with, with a project. We keep them involved with, with our teams. So our CEO at the time was giving mentorship directly with the founders as well. Okay. And that, that might sound for big corporates like a small thing, but for founders, it's amazing. Having the it's access. It's a huge opportunity. Yes, it's a huge opportunity to learn, right? So I think, I think that's, um, that's uh, the kind of impact we want to create is visibility, awareness, uh, support of the local capacity startups, building. capacity building, yeah. capability building, access. And access is a very important thing. Access to technology. Like we have an R&D center in, uh, in Cote d'Ivoire. In some cases, there might be an opportunity for to take the, the startup there. And we do have a lot of um, relationship with uh, universities and bring people into Abidjan to use the facilities and, 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 and develop there. So I think that we don't see it on a short term, but probably on the long term, you would see some impact uh, coming in. I don't know how to measure it. I would love to. Maybe it's something that we can we can talk about to see how to measure these kind of things. But um, but yeah, I, I do believe that the thought leadership of driving people into into collaborating with the startups, it's, uh, it's, a, huge, uh, it's a huge step. And the, going back to the 
the first question, which was about how you make sure, how you're dealing with the fact that, you know, we want to make sure that the startups will move on and keep as sustainable in a sense. Otherwise, it's just one-off projects that yeah. are fed by some business demand from your side. And then they just uh, go wither and die after that. So what's your thinking about making sure that they are resilient and they yeah. can, can, can grow after this first initial push? One, one important thing is when we develop something with a startup, again, we are one. One company does not support the sustainability of a startup. So they need more clients. They need more people to pay for their services, right? So one of the things that for us is relevant is create awareness of the solution to that startup, to our partners, other companies that exist in the ecosystem. Maybe not our competitors, but everyone else that is around, we we try to introduce them. We have a big set of, of suppliers as well and, and partners. So we try to give them access to that startup and that, that and access to the, the to the startup to that ecosystem to try and find opportunities to give them more paying customers. And and that is one way of, of doing it. The other way is, and especially on early stages, although we don't handheld, we are involved and we are deeply involved. We have people that are working with them to develop the solutions, making sure that we keep on track and we don't lose you know sight of where we want to go with mentorship, for example, with access to our legal team, for example, which is something sometimes if you think about it, a small startup doesn't have a legal department. Of course not. Right. Yeah. So having access to a legal department from a big corporate that only in that region, we have 3000 people. It's massive. Right. So we try and give this type of, of support to help them become sustainable uh, with time. And we keep them together with us. We keep collaborating. We keep them as, a, as our partners and we try to expand their portfolio. And look, reality is if a startup comes presenting a, 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 a solution and they say we have Nestle as our customers, that is already an excellent greeting card. Right. So and I think we allow we give that name, that name to them as well to use and bring more clients to those startups. Exactly. You're bringing them to the fold and, and yeah. it has this called the halo effect by being associated with you. They get more credibility in the market. And that's important. So just before we finish, I was ask you if you have any advice that you'd give any of our students that are looking into Africa and doing business with impact, with positive <laughs> impact in Africa. Is there any advice that you look? Be curious and try as much as possible to clear your head of all your preconcepts that you that you have. Um, if you have the opportunity, really go to those uh, countries. Really go deep into them. It makes a difference. It's a huge difference. One thing is reading about it and watching on TV. The other thing is being there. And when I say being there is really go into the neighborhoods. Really speak to people. One of the most impactful experiences I had when I was still starting my journey in Africa was having a, a discussion, well, not a discussion, a talk in a house that has four walls. And you talk about people's lives and you understand what a challenge really is. Because sometimes we, we tend to think that we live in specific challenges. But when you go there, you see that a perspective is totally different. The perspective of a challenge there is totally different from what we believe is a challenge. And that can really help you out to understand the issues, understand the problems, understand why some companies are, or, or some organizations or some NGOs are investing in specific areas. Because if you don't go there, if you don't experience yourself, you won't really understand it as much. But obviously not everyone has the opportunity to go there. Read about it. Be curious. Try to read as much as you can. There's a, a very cool book that I've read that also talks about those those perspectives and the, the growth of, of Africa. 
Africa, which is called Factfulness. Exactly. It's a very, very nice book to read. So you understand what is the difference between a developed country and a developing country. And also how developing countries are actually developing very fast. Although we still believe that sometimes it's not the case. No, it's not. It's not real. So curiosity, if you can go, but don't go to the touristic areas. Well, also enjoy it because it's a a beautiful uh, continent but try and go deep into the neighborhoods immersion i i immersion I, yes. I i do i do agree i mean you touched two points that are very dear to the work that we do in nova sb but uh, the also the the work i do as, as consultant which is two things one as the, the need to to do immersion the fact that you have traveled all, a lot around the world does not necessarily gives you the knowledge on how actually people work and the the challenges that they, they face as you were just saying in the they lives even if you travel and have done some volunteer work etc it doesn't allow you to, for instance to develop a product based on th- those experience it's going to help you and it's great that you had that, yeah. those experiences but immersion and that curiosity i love that curiosity is is really key yes. the capacity to go and just talk with people where they are and see how they they make their life decisions i think it's fundamental if you want to do impact in uh, developing uh, or low-income and middle-income countries the also mentioned factfulness which is something and you mentioned bias the, the fact that we have to get rid of all the bias that we yes. have and that's part of the work that we do at this course and the, that is behind this 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 podcast and the first classes are about first going against your bias understand that you have these hidden bias yes. that uh, sort of shape the way you look into a market and <clears throat> how you do market research in a country where there's so little data they are that data poor how you make decisions which business to right uh, how to do marketing in an environment and that's like why that. immersions is good you take your own data Exactly. You really absorb your own data, which is fundamental. Exactly, because we are used to, in more developed settings, markets, you, you have so, so the amount of data that you can have access in to. In your to culture. Make maybe too much, but you are working in, in, in countries and regions that you don't have, or you can't trust data many times. So uh, to make business decisions. And also the, this, this book that we, we love and we worked a lot about it, which has this idea of, you know, so much has been changed. Things are different from what they were in the 70s, but we are stuck and uh, opening your mind mind is it's it's critical and i mean the work that you're doing it's uh, in terms of opening also yes, there's a little bit the idea doing business in a different way and looking mm-hmm. to the markets that are different in a, in a constructive way, trying to, to make sure that you are able to go local. And also by going local, you, you make sure that you develop in the local economy, or at least trying to, to you don't import everything yes. from other places, but you are able to develop in Africa. I think it's 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 a great mindset to have. So I just want to thank you again. Thank you, Flip, for, for your time and uh, keep up the good work. Thank you so much. It was a really pleasure to, to be here with you and uh, talk about this and uh, look forward to the next time. See you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sustainability and Impact Global series. Please follow this podcast on Spotify and on Nova's SB platform, Road to Play, and be part of this community working to unleash the power of business to solve global challenges one day at a time.